morning, everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, if you have a copy of God's Word and you still carry a copy, then turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We'll continue to look at the Beatitudes. Again, the idea of blessed is to be happy, to be authentic. Um, it's uh, actually all the Beatitudes are a contrast to what the world views as what should make us happy. And so uh, I had told the men on Wednesday night as I was began preparing for the message that uh, I, I, as, as, I, as I was diving into this and and, and I've preached this before, many times over the last 30 years. But every time God brings newness, if you will, to his word. And um, as I look at different material and so forth, and as I pray about it, I, I began to understand that with this idea of this beatitude, that I was so unworthy. And this morning, I'll be honest with you guys, I've, <clears throat> uh, I'm, I'm not, you all know I'm not eloquent, and I'm not m much of an orator, but I certainly feel unworthy this morning to address this beatitude. The Bible celebrates meekness. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, I'm sorry. The King James, the New King James, which I have a copy this morning of here in the pulpit, I had a New American Standard. The New American Standard, the Revised Standard, the New International Version, if I'm not mistaken, the NIV, uses the word gentle, uh, where the older ones use meek. Blessed are the meek, or gentle depending on your revision, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray over this one verse. Father in heaven, as we bow before you, I ask that you would bring to memory the clarity of all the study Bring to fruition the power of your spirit as we stand on your promise that where you send forth your word, it will not return void, but it will accomplish all that you want it to accomplish. Father, I pray that this morning that you challenge us and you bring conviction upon us and you convert us. That we begin living a deeper life of gentleness and meekness. Give us a deeper understanding as you challenge us. Only you can do the impossible. As we've witnessed with Weston this morning, the impossible of giving new life. 
from man himself. But Father, you do the impossible. And so speak now. Keep our enemy at bay. Help us to be attentive. As we give you our attention. In Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> when we think about this idea of being meek, of being gentle, and we'll look at the definition here in just a few moments. Um, really, this is a contrast to what the world says. The world says that if you're going to gain the earth, and, and uh, the, some of the newer translations uses the word land, and in the, in the Old Testament uh, Hebrew, the word land is the same word for earth in the Greek New Testament. And so uh, we're going to revert back to Psalms 37 in just a few minutes, and there you'll find the word land. And the idea here is that if you really want to possess the blessings of God... God says, be gentle, be meek. Where the world would say, if you want to gain, then you've got to be forceful. You've got to be corrupt. You've got to, got to it's, it's a survival of the fittest. You can't be weak, you've got to be strong. You can't be uh, yellow-faced, you've got to be strong. It doesn't matter who you chop down or who you cut, who you run over. Do everything you have to in order to gain the wealth or the land. That's what the world says. Jesus says, if you really want to be authentic, if you really want to be happy in this world, then be gentle or be meek. What does it mean? As I was preparing this week, God, and I'll just give you a little testimony here for a minute. God had shared with me that during the COVID pandemic, I hadn't been very meek. I wasn't very gentle. Besides, mad. And I'm not going to get into all of my disposition on that. But, but I think that it was a manipulation of our government just to see how far they could push the people. I'm not saying the virus wasn't real and that it wasn't serious. But for them to shut down churches and leave bars open... For them to shut down the church and leave liquor stores going and everything else, I have a real problem with that. And there were many times that, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm not proud of it, I'm just, I'm just being brutally honest and it will acknowledge my failures because I had to acknowledge it this week. There were a lot of times that I would get into arguments I'd try to push my point in a righteous zeal. 
that was certainly unbiblical. The mask mandate infuriated me. And I would argue my point. I mean, people would get mad because I would state my view. I'd get mad because they would disagree and, and what I would thought that they couldn't see the common sense within it. So all those things I just sort of suppressed and compartmentalized within my walk with God. And again, I've studied this in depth for years. But yet God revealed more to Rick than he had in the past. So, Wednesday, to be honest with you, I spent, I spent a considerable amount of time just on my knees beside the desk just weeping for forgiveness. Because what I thought I was doing it with the right spirit, the right frame of heart, God had revealed to me that I was wrong. And that's hard for me to say. Not because of my pride, but I am proud of what little... <laughs> I may know, but I'm proud of the convictions that I have, and I'm willing to debate them. But during that process, it was more of an argument than a debate because I wanted to be right. And so this morning, when we think about this idea of happy or authentic or those who live in gentleness, or meekness, and I'm going to refer to it as meekness more than gentleness because I like the, the, uh, the, the sort of the mindset that meekness gives us. The Bible celebrates meekness throughout. In the biblical worldview that Christianity holds, today it says that last is first. Giving is receiving. Dying is actually living. Losing is finding. The least is the greatest. Contradictory to everything the world teaches. But the Bible is God's truth. And the world doesn't understand it. Because we as Christians rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Not in our own wisdom. Not in our own power. Not even in our own understanding sometimes. But we must trust that God's Word is correct from beginning to end. No contradictions. Infallible. Absolute. 
Because in essence, you're putting your very soul into the very Word of God. And if one word is wrong, then who's to say that all of it isn't wrong? But to say every word is correct, then you can stand on it firmly. So when the Bible says that the meek, the meek is last, is first. To give is to receive. To die is to actually live. To lose is to find. To be least is to be greatest. And what we find is meekness then is something that is learned. Something that is shown to us as we delve into the Word of God and as we study and as we live out. Doc, as we fellowship with God on a daily basis, living out the Word of Truth in the light of God's fellowship with us, we learn firsthand from the Master Himself because of the life that He lived, we so should desire. And that none other than Jesus. The man who had more power than we can even fathom, but was as gentle as a dove. Had more meekness than we can even begin to understand. And someday he'll reveal that to us. And he'll show us exactly what he wanted. Meekness is a strength to be learned, to be given and shown, not automatically acquired because I'm a believer. The idea in this beatitude is that we are happy, we're authentic when we live by God's standard, not by popular cultural ideologies that propagate wrong conclusions on what truly makes people happy. So, the first thing I want to see is, I want us to look at our tendencies toward being meek. And when I refer to our tendencies, I'm talking about a worldly view of what meek is and how it's wrong. And then I want us to look at the biblical teaching on what meekness really is. And then briefly, we'll look at the idea of the triumph that we have when we live and walk within this idea of meekness. So, the tendencies of the world toward meekness. And, and let me just, maybe it'll be easier as we begin to say, uh, this is what meekness is not. Okay? This is what meekness is not. Being meek is not being weak. Being meek is not being weak. 
Guys, it takes a strong backbone to be a Christian today. And you're going to have to gain a fortitude about you if you are going to sustain your faith. Now, what I mean by that when I say you sustain your faith is you continually put your trust in God who gives you your faith, okay? You have a part in that. But being meek is not being weak. The world would teach us, though, you want to be gentle, then you've got to be weak. You've got to be yellow. Nah, not necessarily. Our tendencies toward being meek is that we cower away. After all, to be gentle is to never raise your voice. To always just sort of give in. Just let, let it go. It'll be okay. Let's just sweep it under the rug. Let's not be confrontational, okay? Let's be gentle. That's what the world would have us to believe, that being meek really is. Being meek is not always getting along. Being meek is not giving in to avoid conflict at all cost. Because the world tells us that's what it is. The world tells us that, you know what, you want to be meek, you want to be gentle, just give in. My twin brother's horrible at that. I'm just going to be honest with you. And he and I have talked about that many times. And he's been a pastor. He's our DOM now over in Wayne County and in Clinton and Cumberland County. Um, but he tends to want to just get along. So let's just sweep it under the rug. Where me, I say let's address it. Let's get it out and open. Let's fight it out if we have to. Then we'll forgive each other and go on. Now, I'm not saying I'm right and he's wrong. I'm not saying he's wrong and I'm right. But you notice I said I was right both times, right? <laughs> but guys, listen. Jesus didn't get along with everybody all the time. Okay? The world would say if you want to be meek and gentle, then get along at all costs. Avoid conflict at every turn. The world says that being meek is to be passive. Well, that's wrong. Being meek isn't to be passive. But if you find that you're truly meek, there will be some passiveness within you. And we'll address that. Our tendency is to see that being meek is all about timidity. Being timid, being meek is not accepting everything, though. Do you believe everything that somebody tells you? We want to think the best of people. 
But here's where I got so mad during the COVID pandemic. Because being meek is not about complying with every whim. But that's what our government said. Don't question anything, just comply. That drove me nuts. Being meek does not mean we follow instead of leading. What I have discovered is that if you're a good leader, you're first willing to follow before you can expect anybody to follow you. So the, the world's tendency, our popular culture, the world's idea of meekness is then be weak, cower away, do whatever it takes to get along, avoid conflict at all costs, be passive and timid, accept everything, never question anything, comply with every whim, follow instead of leading. That's what the world would say is a good idea of being meek and gentle. For some of you, that's probably where you are this morning. If I were to have given you this list in a questionnaire and you went through and I asked you to check these off, you would have probably gone along with some of this. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that is not the biblical idea of being meek or gentle. Because all this has to do with the exterior. Every bit of it. But the biblical idea of being meek comes from the spiritual. It comes from Jesus in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because unless I'm a child of God, I really can't be meek from a biblical direction. So what is then a biblical teaching on meekness? John Piper said this, and I quote, I think the most important question that we can ask of every beatitude is, what does the beatitude have to do with God? And so the question is, what does meekness have to do with God? The reason this question should be so important in our minds is that if we do not have an answer to it, we will not be able to fulfill the aim of our Lord in this sermon. And we've talked about that. For he said, and again I'm continuing to quote John Piper, for he said in verse 16 of this same passage, Matthew 5 is his reference, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Piper continues, he said, Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount so that his Father would get glory for the way the disciples lived. His aim was to create a lifestyle in his disciples that would make people think about the value of God. And so in meekness, 
excuse me, so if meekness is what people are like just because they always got beat down as a kid or because their parents never raised their voice or because they have some peculiar metabolism, then how would meekness call attention to the glory of God? Piper says, Jesus does not care about reformation of manners or the transformation of personalities for their own sake. First petition of the Lord's Prayer, which stands at the center of this sermon, is Hallowed be thy name. Piper's final statement here is This is the passion of our Lord's life. Therefore, should it not be the passion of ours? Should our life not reflect Jesus so much that it brings glory to God? And in doing so, then we must understand the idea of meekness. The Greek word is prous. Prous is the Greek word. And it simply means to be gentle, to be humble, or even to be mild. Okay? The ancient world would have understood this word to be applied to a, to a grand stallion. A horse of, of great spirit, of great breeding, of great strength and endurance. And all that power, if it isn't contained and constrained for a purpose, is nothing but a wild animal. It could cost millions. But unless all that power is brought within a purpose and a direction, then it's still just an animal. So their idea then would have understood meekness as a stallion having a bit in his mouth. And that bit brings direction. The bit then brings all that strength and that power under control. A stallion isn't the one in control. It's the rider that's in control. What does that say to you and I? We have all the power. We have all the authority under heaven. Why? Because Jesus has it. Jesus is in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's at, our, it's at our disposal. But yet, we don't control it. We're just the stallion. The bit is the restraining of the Holy Spirit where Jesus is the one that directs us and controls us. To be gentle to be mild, to be meek. Let me, put, let me give you a very elementary definition that will help you. To, me, to be meek is to have power that is under control. 
Does that make sense? To have power, strength, endurance, ability. But unless it's under control, what good does it do? Guys, for all of you that like hot rods, you've got an old muscle car. And if I could have my choice of muscle cars, and Doc, maybe you'll buy me one one of these days. No? Okay. Diane won't either, so. If I had my preference, it'd be a 69 Mach 1 with a 429 in it. Four speed on the floor. Traditional American muscle car. All that muscle in the world, though, is useless unless you can stomp the gas and keep the car under control. Because if you can't control it, all it's going to do is sit there and spin or crash and burn. You see, guys, God gives us the, the liberty to choose to have free will. As his child, we have, the, we have spiritual power that people can't even begin to fathom. And yet most of the time we waste it because we run around out here out of control. Where God wants us to change the world. Are we willing to do it under his authority? Under his leadership? That's the question. All the power. But it's the power that is under control. And so what meekness then teaches us is this idea to willfully submit ourselves to God. To live under his authority for his will upon our life. Let me honestly ask you at this point in the message does that describe your life this morning? Are you willfully submitting everything? Not one thing, not reserving one thing, but everything. Is it under God's authority for his will in your life? If you are withholding one thing from God in your life, you're living in sin. And you're not living in meekness. God's desire for our life is that we willfully choose to subordinate our life to Him. Our will, our desire, our ambition. To where he can live through us. To show the world. Here's the difference. Living as a child of the king. Coming under the authority of the king really makes. You see, that makes us authentic. Because we're giving up in order to gain everything. We're dying to self to live for him. 
being meek isn't so much an attitude toward people. And if you remember nothing else I say this morning, you remember this. Being meek isn't so much an attitude toward people, but rather a disposition before God. How many of you in here like to have your own way? Raise your hand. Raise it high. Quit lying now, guys. Lying's a sin. You're in church. We all like to have our own way. But if you want to live a life of meekness, you can't have your way. Until your way becomes God's way. Then you get your way. But it's only under meekness that that takes place. It's not something that we can earn by what we do but rather it happens instinctively when we let go and turn our lives over to God. Now, I told you we were going to read Psalm 37. Let me very quickly read this psalm, and I'm not reading all of it, but the first 11 verses. And I want you to listen to what, this, what the psalmist David had to say about letting go. Okay, All of us wonder why bad things happen to good people. How can we let go? Why do the wicked seem to get rich? And we that are trying to live for God, why do we just continue to have hardships? Okay, Now, uh, again, I'll be reading. Well, just let me read it on the, on the screen. That way we're all reading it together. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust in, or excuse me, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth or the land. Okay? For ye, or excuse me, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth or the land, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of You see, when David wrote this psalm, his idea was, you know what? Don't worry about how everybody else is seeming to prosper. You trust in God, and you'll come out better on the other end. Don't take matters into your own hands. 
Don't try to out-scheme. Trust in God. You see, to be meek is to die to self in order to live. To give away in order to gain. To trust in God for wisdom and understanding. Not within who you are by yourself. The nation of Israel, as they were possessing the land, they would have understood this. You want to inherit the, the land flowing with milk and honey? Here is how you do it. Stop relying upon your own way. Trust God. He'll lead you. And he'll direct you. And so, when we consider these things in... What does meekness look like? To be meek then is to wait on the Lord. Because the meek trust God. They acknowledge God knows the best. And he will work in and through them for the best. You see, you thought I wasn't going to get to everything you all sung about. But it's exactly where we need to be. And I had no idea what they were going to sing. But I love when God works it out. And he has again. The meek commit their ways to God. They admit they are, that they are insufficient to cope with the complexities of this world. Their health, their jobs, their relationships, their fears, their frustrations. Does all this sound familiar? It sounds like everyday life, doesn't it? Maybe we're not meek enough before God. Because we want to fix it when all God's asking is just come, lay it down, give it to me, and I'll give you peace. The meek set aside time to be quiet before the Lord, and they wait on Him. My favorite psalm, and I'm not good at it, but I try to be because I have no patience, ask Diane. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 Be still and know that I am God. See guys, the meek, they're still. They'll set time apart to seek God and His direction and His wisdom and His discernment in order for them to live a life that brings honor to him. The meek don't worry over the wicked. They understand that their faith, their family, their work, their life, that it's in the very hands of God, and that's good enough. Does that describe you this morning? Guys, how many of us fail at this? I'm not trying to cast you to be a, being a bad Christian. But I want you to walk in the fullness of God. I want you to make a difference in your life, in your family, in your co-workers. I want you to make a difference in this church. I want this church to flourish to where we can have a baptism every week. But if that's to happen... We must come together in unity 
and in coming together in unity, we're going to come in meekness. You all know that I'm getting ready to have my 11th back surgery. I got another confirmation Saturday of another procedure. Whatever he's doing, I don't know. Up until all my back surgeries, I had something to fall back on. Now listen to what I'm saying. And I'm about done. Bear with me. Before my back surgery started in 05, I was 35, 36 years old. I had something to fall back on. I was decent in management, very good at natural gas and the pipeline industry, a lot of management skills, very good at organization, not a problem. I always knew I could fall back on that. And I had many times even during the pastoring episodes. I could always fall back. And I always made a tremendous amount more money pipelining than I ever have pastoring a church. I'm talking quadruple the money of what I can pastoring a church. But what God did is God yanked that out from underneath my feet and took that away to where I had nothing to fall back on but Him. See, I demonstrated to God several times that, God, I'm going to fall back on this because it's easier to have something to fall back on than it is to trust God. Why? Because we lean upon our own understanding. God says, I'm going to take all that away then. So over the course of the last 19 years, and this will be my 11th back surgery coming up, I have nothing to fall back on but God. So I ask you this morning, are you trusting in God? You see, the triumphs of meekness, the third thing, is the land. The Jews would have taken this to mean the promised land. I think for you and I as New Testament believers, we are told in the book of Revelation that the, this world, the heaven and the earth, will pass away. But John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And for the meek, for those who trust God, they inherit that new earth. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. Receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So, Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus chose to save us from sin. That sin that warrants the punishment of death. But what Jesus offers us here in Matthew 5 and in other places is a chance to experience 
the life that we were intended and created to experience before sin. We'll never live a perfect life here. I get that. But what I've discovered, and I put my pants on one leg at a time like you, as Doc says, Rick sins, and yes, I do, severely at times. But what I've discovered, the more meek that God helps me to be, the greater my life is in walking in this world. The ability to confess our sin, to repent, to grow in our faith requires us to be to come humbly before God. To admit and to confess and to repent and then to walk in meekness. You see, when you think about the Beatitudes, when we're poor in spirit, we acknowledge what? God, I can't do it. If it's to be done, you are. Those who mourn are what? They're mourning over sin. They're mourning over the sin of the world. And so, when I become weak, when I become meek, excuse me, then I'm acknowledging the fact that, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you. It's stair-stepping here, guys, to a conclusion. And we're going to determine that. Father, as we come to a conclusion of the message, we have a time of invitation. As the music plays, I, I would ask that you speak to each heart, to every mind. Father, we've all acknowledged the fact that we want our own way, and so we all live in sin. But Father, help us to come forward. Help us to come as, to this altar and to just recommit our hearts and our life to you, to surrender once again.